Perez. Walter makes a run ahead of it. Burkamp suddenly changed pace through the centre. It's Burkamp! That's magnificent! The move, and then this, which left Dabby's ass totally stranded. Hello and welcome to A Burkout Wonderland, the podcast where every single time I do the show, I do the tweet, I do the Facebook, and Facebook goes, oh no, sorry, this content is unavailable at the moment, please try again later. Zuckerberg, if you were human, I'd come for you. With me tonight to talk about, I don't know, the general discomfort of the fact we're all gooners and, and life is awkward is uh, is Richard. Haven't been on for a while, Rich. What is your excuse? Don't give me that nonsense that you've been working because I ain't having it. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I've, I have been working. I've started a new job. Oh. I'm busy, busy, busy. Yeah. You like it? But is, I, I do like it very much, though. Um, I've joined like a really, really, a really good team. Um, uh, of, of guys in the office with me um yeah they're really really cool one's an oxford united fan one's a Nottingham forest fan but they're um they're sensible uh sensible football fans so it's it's a good laugh and good chat and stuff like that so yeah it's literally just been work mate work and, and girls football that's uh, been my life for the last um month or so i think that'd be most humans dream work and football well, 50% of that would be uh, most people's dreams. Talking about most people's dreams, here he is himself. It's the math mathematical legend. I don't know where that come from. No idea, Nick. I don't even know you can count. It's Nick in Norwich. Hello. All right. Do people's dreams? Do you mean their nightmare? Can you count? Do you know numbers? Do you know all the numbers? I, I can count up to 14 because I can count all my fingers and toes being from Norfolk. The people outside the UK, that is uh, that is the equivalent of saying you are from um, the Deep South. In our case, the Far East. And I don't mean Asia. Oh, it's getting complicated already. Uh, we've got two likes on Facebook already. We've got a little love for me and a little like from the pod. And Phil Macker is there already having a chit-chat to himself, unfortunately. But at least he's there. There's nobody else there going to join him. Uh, Jimmy H at 7.45 today, half hour before the podcast started. Evening, everyone, and Danny. Uh, he says, waking up this morning was like like being catfished. We thought we had such a fantastic team. And then after waking up, after the game last night, you look and you think, yeah, maybe not. We've been mugged off again. Uh, it's Dan. No, we were chatting before the show because Nick turned up 30 seconds before he was meant to be here. Colin Addy is in the chat. Mr. Waffles. Mr. Waffles, could you change your, put a logo, a little avatar on your new WhatsApp? Because it just has no, it's just a grey circle and it gives me the willies. I don't like it. I think you could be a, a bot. Um, who else have we got there? Phil is there, like I said. He's on the Facebook. Mr. Waffles, my dream is to be independently wealthy so I don't have to work. Anyway. Amen to that, mate. Can't all make guitars for a living. Um, beware, Nick. I'm heading to Newrich in the morning. He's going on his little moped with a little boom, boom, boom after it. Avon is there. It's not. I mean, last night we had at one point 122 people watching on Twitter. Didn't last long, five or six minutes. 
So that's the our biggest audience of the season was last night, Richard. And if you any could you guess why more people watched the show last night than any game this season? Have a guess. See if you can figure it out. Because misery loves company, or is it because rival fans are uh, come oh, to no. have a have mouth? They are all gooners. So it is just misery loves company. Certainly is. It's a shame they don't turn up when we've had five wins in a row, 21 goals scored, two goals conceded. We're just going to get straight into the game. You heard my thoughts last night when I was on with um, the Guatemalan legend that is Mike Hertz. So, Rich, where did it all go wrong? How can you go from 21, like I said, 21 goals scored, two conceded, to go and have that where you don't have a single shot on fucking target? Oh, I've sworn already. Fuck's sake. <laughs> After 4.41, swear word already. Um, oh mate, it was it was one of the it was a horrible, horrible watch. Um, uh, yeah, I, 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 how I didn't put my foot through my TV, I'll never know. It t- took a, a, a whole lot of restraint. I was, oh, I was so annoying to watch. Um, you know, Europe, you know, Europe is is. Champions League is always never straightforward, um, especially for us. It's always, you know, it's a step up from from playing Burnley's and and, and things like that. But um, I don't get too broad on it, but I, I don't think, you know, we obviously wasn't great. Um, but, oh, my God, that referee, Jesus wept. And I don't want it to be like, make that as an excuse in the sense of he was the reason why we we lost. Because you could see, like, two, three minutes into into the the game where Declan Rice wasn't looking for a uh, uh, wasn't expecting the pass to come to him and he has to lunge in and give away a um uh, a free kick and a yellow card but we weren't on it from moment dot we not even not, we weren't on it we looked off um we looked off the amount of times we mis miscontrolled the ball uh, let's say you it would go over all uh, more more fingers and toes than Nick's got. Um, the amount of times we uh, we did it, it was um, uh, it was it was astonishing. I don't think we got to grips with their like their their, their pitch. I don't know if it would seem like super greasy or or, or wet or anything. It would have been I don't know watered down or something. I'm not quite yeah. sure, but no, just the amount it was greasy on purpose. Oh, was it? Uh, I, I say I'm I'm not surprised at that because literally. The, the amount of times, like just like even like a, a a simple pass, it was just skidding on the surface and where like, you know, you're expecting the ball to roll and, you know, you're, you know, you don't always watch the ball come into you. You're looking up, you're getting your head up, you're scanning and it just, you know, not noticing that that ball's just zipping that few yards in it. It was astonishing. Uh, and I think that coupled with the fact that the, the just the stop start nature of the game meant we could get no rhythm and it was just a turgid, awful watch all round it was um oh horrible 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 what do you think about it nick i've got a a, a little video I've, I've downloaded the game and there's a certain part of the game that i want to show after you've said your bit nick and we can talk about that as well what was your thoughts well, on the game how how, think, how do you go from one extreme to the other in, in the space of three or four days well it's completely different competition different country different style of football 
And I mean, we said about the referee. I don't know if he was any more than your typical Homer referee you normally get in the Champions League. You know, I'd be I'd expect the referee in a couple of weeks when it comes to the Emirates to probably favour us like very similarly. You know, I don't know if he gave them anything worse, but it just seems that Porto all they seem to do was stop us like from playing, getting any momentum, stringing any passes together with just like snide tackles, shirt pulls, little kicks out. And every time like anyone fouled them, even a slight foul, it was the usual roll around, waste time, asking for yellow cards, things like that. And yeah, it was that game did kind of have draw written all over it until the last what 20 30 seconds and like i think someone put in the chat earlier if if that would have been a draw they'd have said oh that's a professional thing to do you can't beat those sides away from home because those sides they are more difficult to beat than sides that actually want to have a you know an end-to-end game of football especially for us and we always seem to struggle with those awkward types of team but I'm not as fussed as a lot of people like doom and gloom and want everything like Arteta to be sacked. It's all gone wrong again. I expect us to turn us turn it around in the next leg. To be honest, like three four oh, nil yeah. pretty easily wouldn't surprise me. It's just it is what it is. We lost one nil. It's only one nil at half time. You know, on the first leg. Don't worry about it. I just want Arteta to just watch that game back a few times, see what we did wrong. And just learn from the mistakes we made and just kill them off in the next leg and then we can carry on. Yeah, um, someone in the chat, I agree with you there, Nick. Um, keep her litzer. Got a framed Ian Wright shirt there on, on his avatar. Lovely. Um, many better many better set plays from corners uh, that have worked. Well, I'm just looking at the stats here and it says that we had 10 corners but then it's telling me that Erdegaard took three, Ben White took two, Havertz took... That's bullshit. That's not at all. It was, I think Saka took nearly all of them. And I want to show you this little bit. Hold on. I know I've got maybe, maybe, maybe that meant the fouls. I, you know what I'd like to know, actually? Let's see, watch your game. I'd like to know how many of those corners resulted in a foul. I would fairly say it was pretty much all of them. Um, well, yeah, this I want to show you. I'm gonna have to, I found out how to do frame by frame on VLC. Uh, you can't do frame by frame backwards, obviously, because uh, that would be too bloody good, wouldn't it? So, window, um, entire screen. Where's the game gone? Here. Ah, screen two. Make sure there's nothing. Need to make that maximized and share the screen. All right. As we can see here, this is um, the 42nd minute. We took a corner in the 41st. It comes straight back out for another corner. And then you watch this point. Five of their players. So I don't want to do too much because just look at them. They're all looking and trying to fall over each other. Here we go. Saka's taken the corner, left-footed corner. Now, Centre of the screen, you can see one of our players at the near post. He's got two players that have already gone down, fallen into each other. If you look where the goalkeeper is, to the goalkeeper's right, there is a player in, in, in the uh, the blue and white kit. And then to the left of that, there's another two players. They're the five players that go down. So look, straight away, two have gone down just in front of the near post. 
And then if you watch the goalkeeper's right foot, he stands on his own player's left foot. Right, there you go. We can see you free a frame um, is frozen there. Their, the, their defender is falling backwards into the net just because the goalkeeper's got his right foot, left, right foot on there, his left foot. Our player isn't even touching him. And then um, to, uh, the further on between the uh, the far post and the corner, and it's still inside the box, you see two of our defound players are jumping, using the Porto players as leverage to jump up in the air. Now you watch this player in the goal. He's falling down only because the goalkeeper stood on one foot. Immediately, he starts holding his face. He's laying there, mm. holding his face like he's been hit. The two blokes at the near post, one of those is laying down, holding his face. And then the two at the far post, they're both laying down. I can't see what they're doing. So just from that, you've got five Porto players on the floor. That sums up the entire game, doesn't it, Richard? It's absolutely pathetic. And the referee immediately, hand up in the air, left hand pointing to the floor, going, oh, foul. Well, how is a referee meant to look at five individual players and work out which one of them has actually been fouled before they realise none of them have been fouled? That it's just fucking bullshit, isn't it? Yeah, and uh, so the, the the PTSD and the anger rising is is boy. I didn't want to see that, Danny. You showed it's pissed me off again. Literally, I was raging last night watching that because that that was that was their tactics and that was their thing. And uh, like, I don't like it being called. Oh, it's gamesmanship. Is it's cheating? It's fucking cheating. Um, I you know it's uh, call it what it is and and. Ultimately, if they're going to play that game, it's up to the ref to make the right calls, and it's up to the ref to cotton on to what on earth is what is what is happening with his own eyes and use common sense. It was just, it was utter garbage. It was, I said that ref. I think that was one of the lowest ball in play games in, in the Champions League. I think for quite a while, uh, I've seen the start doing around him and stuff like that. Uh, it was very similar to um, when we played uh, Newcastle. I think was it last season, yeah. where like that was another game where it was just they were just time wasting and doing all sorts of just dark arts nonsense to to you know uh, disrupt our rhythm and 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 gain an, an advantage. And I just it, it annoyed me because the the ref. There was the ref just ruined that and just and did such a crappy job. And I said, I, I don't want to just put it on the ref because we were not good. Um, you know, we we did have issues in in the game and that we should have been better. But it was just just as a football fan and as an advert for football, how is that? It was just anti football. It was just it was just nonsense. It was just it was just horrible. It was horrible to watch, and it was just. I, I, if I was, if I was Edu and I was Mikarteta, I mean, might not be able to, might not curry much favour by doing it publicly, but privately, I'd be having a word and writing to emailing fucking UEFA and you know having a a pop about this referee that I would never want him refereeing one of our games again because that was just that standard of refereeing was appalling, absolutely appalling. Um, and I said they, they were, I guess their their tactics work because they 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 come away with the uh, with with the win. But it just you know and call it naive, but like you know like in that footage you just showed, right? You know 
we're kind of not really even just gesticulating to the ref or making a big deal of it kind of thing. But all of them are, they've got either, they're either falling on the floor or I noticed in that, what's it called? I think the number 10, was that Conscious Al? Where he's he's got his arms out open, screaming at the referee uh, that someone's been fouled, and it's just uh, it, it it was just it was a rotten spectacle. It was it annoyed me enough that we lost the game, but it, it, say it annoyed me even further that it was just an absolute turgid, rotten watch, aided and, and abetted by an an inept referee who looked like he'd never seen a game of football before in his life. Yeah. What is Dutch? So I don't know, you know, if that has anything to do with it. Do, do the Dutch like the English? I don't know. Do they have diving in Holland? Maybe they don't have diving in Holland. So we just assume every time they went down, that was a foul. But I mean, I, I don't, I can't blame Porto for the tactics what they're doing. So like I said, if they tried to play us enter end a game of football, they'd get paralysed. So they've got to do what they've got to do, man. We've had it over the years. You know, with the Stoke and the anti-football and the rugby, it's more like rugby than football. We've got, you know, if we want to win stuff, we've got to work out ways of sorting that out. Because back in the day, yeah. if anything people threw at us, we'd do it. So, he, you know, Arteta's got to work out, he's, you know, he's got a couple of weeks. Now, how can we stop this? How can we get around this? Because like I said, not one shot on target. So we weren't never going to win that game, were we? Not having a single shot on target. So I, I I think sorry to, to cut in. I I think that like I said we will turn them over in the return oh, leg. I I I think because I, I, I do want to come up and you said mentioned about the let's say the the, the that we're greasing up the pitch. We won't make that many missed passes in a, in another game like that. Um, let's say that was ridiculously abnormal. The amount of miscontrolled passes we made in that game. And even with all their spoiling, and, and they pressed in, like, you know, give Porto their due, they pressed exceptionally well. And they, they were well organised and they cut off our passing lanes uh, through through the channels, um, which is a bit, a bit of a reason why I, I kind of wish we had started with um, Jorginho um, it, um, into the, uh, at the base of uh, the midfield. But we won't play that badly miscontrol that many many passes uh, again there were there was quite a few times where we didn't cut them open but we got into an interesting and, and good enough positions and and started to carve out good enough opportunities but then a touch let us down a pass a control let us down and i don't think we'll we'll do that again and going on to your thing about i don't really blame porto for their shit housery even though i i absolutely hate it, it's shithousery and stuff like that. I've played against pricks who, who, who do that on a, on a, on a, on a Sunday, even a grassroots level. And it, it fucking winds me up. Um, sorry, don't know. So it winds me up then, but it, it's on the referee to stamp that out and recognize when somebody's diving, when somebody's engineering and manufacturing contact. Um, you know, there, there was one late in the game where the the um, the guy's holding on to to Kivior's shirt, and then he fr- just throws him. There's no contact. He just throws himself to the floor, and the ref gives it the other way. That's not shithousery, and that's not well done, Porto. That's this ref is a clown and doesn't know football. Like, and and it literally, it's I oh, I say I'm I'm done.
I do wonder, though, like, say, that clip Danny showed, that, I think that happened a couple of times where he can't be watching all five of those players going down. He cannot know that every one of those five players has died. So I wonder, like I said, Homer referee just playing it safe because if he gave, I mean, I don't know if the VAR is um, in the Champions League and they get interfere as much as they do over here. But if he, like, let's just say he didn't blow for a free kick and we put the ball in net and five players laying on the floor. If one of those five was actually a push, are they going to disallow it? And is he going to get in trouble for giving a goal that shouldn't have been given and end up getting dropped from the Champions League altogether? It's similar over here where a lot of our refs are just bottling giving anything or just playing it completely safe because they're, they're scared to actually make any calls anymore in case of getting it wrong. Looking at their lineup, they had uh, five Brazilians start the game, five and a half. Diego Costa, their goalkeeper, is actually Brazilian, although I think he plays for Portugal. So you've got six Brazilians and an Argentinian. So that's seven out of those 11 players who started the game are South American. And we all know, listen to Tim Stillman, he knows his South American football. They see the dark arts. They see cheating the referee as part of the game. It's something that, remember, you've got a master and something they see as, as going, yeah, that's good. That's what we do. That's that's how you win the games. But then something like this, who, who said it? Um, I think it was uh, Neil Gunnison. I bet rival teams will see this game, will use it as a template and know how to get under our skins. And then also Rudy says, can see Newcastle playing the same way on Saturday and we still have no answers. That's uh, completely true, isn't it? There's a Because yeah. Newcastle are shit at the moment. Yeah, and that's how Newcastle have played us for the last, what, five, six years, if not longer. I mean, even, mm. you know, probably going back longer to the Tim Krul days of just time-wasting and stuff like that. But, like, again, another side that can't live with us for a long, you know, in football, you know, an end-to-end type of thing. So, I mean, the only difference is with Newcastle now is they have actually got some decent players and could play football, but they've got that mentality which come through the manager, Eddie Howe, that that's just the type of manager he is, and that's what he's going to do. And until um, oh doggy, <laughs> oh let's watch the dog instead. That's much more interesting. To talk about okay. Does that put you off, Nick? Yeah, let's put us off. Ritz, tell us about yeah. the dog. What's his name? Uh, her name is Holly, and she's a very good girl. Yes, hello, Holly. Yes, hello. Yes, thank you. I could only see the top half, obviously. It's okay. I don't need a kiss right now. Thank you, though. Thank you. We're talking about Newcastle and how Newcastle cheated us last season with all their time wasting. What was that? Yeah, I know. I know. Eddie, how learned it all from that twat at Atletico Madrid, Simeone. I know. I know. And Simeone has decided to no longer play boring defensive football. 11 years into his career there, he's gone, oh, look, I think, I wonder if we play attacking football. Fucking amazing. John George is there. Hello, John. I've been a listener since the Guna Gimli days. Oh, sad what happened to poor old Gimli, isn't it? Um, the first man to be sent to Venus. And uh, it didn't really work out well, did it? Uh, Jimmy H says, this podcast is now taking a completely different shape. Yeah, we're trying to trying to get over it. Uh, Rudy says, they played Pepe at the back. He's 41 years old. He's not 41 until he's 40. He's 40 until he's 41. And we <laughs> haven't managed to urge... 
to hurt him to make mistakes. We were undoubted, untroubled for the whole game, and that says it all. And boy, 10, meh. After December, we were supposed to use the season to prep for next season. Been saying it for months, and I'm not changing that stance. Play the kids. Let's save some money on recruitment. Lone Star, Londoner is there. Haven't seen you for a while, Governor. Hope you will. That lad ain't quite right. Well, there's lots of us here. You have to be more specific. Um, Nick, looking at the uh, the set pieces, me and Mike talked about this last night. We have got set piece corners working perfectly. Declan Rice takes them. Bish bash bosh. Gabriel Saliba Havertz Farpo score a goal. Why did Saka? Why was Saka taking all the corners? I don't know. I mean, I think well, the last time I was on. Oh, let me finish what I'm saying. I said, Sorry. I don't know why Arteta's decided to swap it because, like I said, since we came back from the winter break, which I said, when we come back, we have to be on it and we'll find out in the first 20 minutes if we're even going to push the top four, let alone the, the you know a title run, is we need to see something different, a different mentality, a different way of playing. And we've seen that for the last five games. We've played it slightly different. And a lot of that has been... Rice taking a lot of the set pieces. And for some reason last night, it just went back to some old ways. I'm like, well, why isn't Rice... Are they scared Rice is going to get sent off if he take a corner because he got booked after two minutes? I don't... I, I, you know, maybe you get booked for time wasting. I don't know. I've just, it's a weird thing that it was working and then he just swapped it and changed it. And I don't know what... Maybe he thought... Well, oh, sorry, he sorry, what, sorry, wasn't it just because... It was on the it was on the right hand side, and they were having in swinging corners. We, we just, it just, I think it just so happened that most of our corners happened on the right hand side. Um, Rice normally takes them on the left. Rice will normally take them on the left, so they're in swinging. Same like with um, with Saka will go uh, on to take them on the right, and with his left foot, and he'll cut them in swing. I just think we had a disproportionate of. Um, of, of set piece of corners on that left hand side because I think I think Rice was still taking free kicks and stuff like that in, in into the into the box. I think it was literally just that that left right hand side um, corner. Sorry to cut you off, Nick. No, it's fine. You're right. Man. It could just been been that, but because like we said, we know um, Arteta doesn't like the wingers to swap over and change stuff on the fly. So I think if anyone like dead question him on the pitch like they just get subbed off immediately and never play us play for us again like oh um Tavares when he um mouthed off at him after like half an hour that Nottingham Forest game a couple of years ago because he wasn't doing as he was told and he subbed him off so I don't know if they're actually allowed to change any of Arteta's ways of playing on the pitch but I don't know it's just one of those like I said it happens and at this point I'd rather lose one nil away to Porto than I would lose a premiership game at the moment because we could still put that mm. right. Whereas, you know, everything in the premiership, every point that counts. And we've to be fair, we could probably only afford to lose maybe one and draw a couple of games from now until the end of the season if we want to win it. So, you know, I'd rather lose that game one nil and go beat Newcastle Saturday. You know, because we put because we lose to Newcastle. I mean, you know what they're like. You know, Man City drew with um, Chelsea, and all that. All the ex-scousers were coming out and saying, "That's it. They've blown it. They're out of the title race." I was like, 
I've got game in hand, mate. There's only like one point in it, you know, and they're all complaining. We've got hopefully one of the tightest title races we've had in years. Could be a free horse race, go down to the last game of the season. And let's be honest about it, they're all just not happy why Liverpool haven't just been awarded the league. That's what I think that's what it comes down to. It's sad times for them. Fuck them. Uh, social joins. I haven't seen you before. No, a new person. Hello. The truth is Arteta instructed us to play for a draw by just passing the ball safe. Zero shots on goal after scoring 20-plus goals is by instruction. I agree with that. Uh, Lone Star Londoner says Rice in the box for height. Uh, Fly KG, I thought you had disappeared, been abducted by aliens. I haven't seen you in a very long time. Where the Plymouth runner these days miss him. He and a handful of the others are on gardening leave because they couldn't be fucked to turn up for podcasts more than... I mean, you two are witnesses. I'd put it in the group. Oh, Demier this week. Oh, I'm, I've got a new hat. I've got to try it. Oh, no. To be fair, Chris is actually on an airplane on the way to Malta as we speak. So that's his one him. excuse for missing a podcast in the last six years. Scrappy it's valid. Tit. Uh, shame he isn't here because tonight, Ron's got knocked out of the Europa League. Long's got knocked out of the Europa League. Toulouse. Got knocked out of the Europa League and Marseille are drawing and hopefully they'll get knocked out of the Europa League. Uh, I don't even know if he's still doing that shitty French podcast. And not that he'll ever fucking listen to this one. Fucking split up. To be fair, um, if, if the club's called to lose, they're obviously going to lose every game, aren't they? Uh, indeed. Social Join says also, nobody busted their ass off to score. We played for a draw because of Mikel's awful record and negative football. Stefan says, I think the Plymouth runner has just got to got to Exeter. Uh, Sai says, yes, Rice replaced Martinelli, Trossard for corners, Saka and the opposite side for ta- corner taker. Uh, Rudy says, we have to beat Newcastle, no doubt. And then Fly is going mad with uh, smiley faces. Mm, good. And that's where he is. Um Rich, what do you think about the placement of Havertz for the right-hand corners that Saka was taking on the far corner of, of the penalty area? Because he was just standing there doing nothing the whole time. The ball never went to him. He never went forward to get the ball. It was it was like he'd had a head injury and he said, stay as far away from the ball as possible. <laughs> yeah, it was a bit odd. Uh, yeah, I mean, Nicholas Jover has, has earned... Uh, our trust in his set piece, um, isn't it? Nicholas Jover, isn't it? Uh, in his set piece routines and stuff like that. Yeah, one of the pit crew. Um, I, I, I didn't mind it because I see he's, he's they we've done we've done quite a varied, weird, wonderful set piece deliveries. And you know, one one day we're where everyone's coming to the near post, another day everyone's flooding the keeper and ever. My thing, my issue was that we didn't. We didn't change it when it clearly wasn't working. That was that was more the issue that I had. Because um, like I said, it, it might have been a case of they they recognised a, a weakness in what um, how Porto line up, much like how we we did the same to say like Burnley um, when um, you know Burnley have a weakness of of James uh, Trafford just sitting on his on his line and and being susceptible to crowding around him. And that we'd worked something out, and that was what we were going with. But clearly, Porto had done their homework on us, 
and just set out to disrupt us. Mm. And um, the, obviously the referee was buying into it and, and not giving us any change that it clearly wasn't working. And I, I think that the bigger disappointment for me was that we didn't, we didn't try something else and we didn't change it up and try and, you know, go to a plan B or a different type of, uh, of corner, a short corner or just something to mess them about or to make them think differently or anything like that. Um, Cause also any corners that did come in, their goalkeeper was just absolutely lapping them up. He was quite a tall lad and he was, he, he you know, he was, you know, he, he wasn't the, the, the stereotypical flapper of uh, uh, corners and stuff like that. He, he was he was grasping them and clutching them quite cleanly, um, so that I think it would be for me the more disappointment. Like I said, it might have been something that like I said they had habits there to do something to knock it back across goal at least, or because um, he's 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 a little bit disappointing from corners is is habits considering he's like six three or whatnot. He's not um, he he gets on the end of things, but he doesn't really have much conviction in what he's doing. But um, yeah, for me, it was I was more disappointed with the fact that we didn't rotate and change um, what we were doing because it clearly wasn't working. Yeah, you got anything to add to that, Nick, or should I go into my last little thing that I want to have a moan about? Well, it depends. I mean, we then talked about um, the Porto's goalkeeper. Did you want to talk about um, the goal and our goalkeeper? If you hold on, he, that's the bit well, I was going to bring up next. Oh, um, like, go back here. One mind. Go here. Well. That's never a good thing. Yeah. Um, right. You can have this one, Nick, and then Rich, I want to know what you think about it after. Click on the screen, then start pressing E. People at home on the bus having a poo, walking the dog, and uh, and planting bulbs because spring is in the air, people. Thank fuck for that. All right. Raya, inside his box, crouched down. This is the build up to the goal. About three seconds, two seconds before the goal. Edge of the edge of the uh, the uh, area. You got. Um, oh, I don't like the the centre back having the number two. Number two is Saliba. He's he's standing in a diagonal um, position away from the goal. The bloke with the ball in front of him as the bloke is on the left hand side of the pitch, running towards the the. Um, it's, it's not called, it's not penalty area. It's the penalty area, isn't it? What's the big box mm-hmm. called, Rich? Just the penalty area. Yeah, for a second, I completely blank on that. Running towards the penalty area. Right, so he's got Declan Rice in front of him to his right, and to his left he has got Benny Blanco. And then you watch this. So he's coming in, and then immediately nobody can see the, blo- the bloke running behind um, uh, White. So you can ignore him, the, the Porto player running behind Ben White, touching him a little bit. And then there you can see the bloke has gone, right, I put it on my right foot. I'm making a run towards the right. Now, Jorginho, you watch it, his stride. Jorginho's stride has got shorter and shorter because he's decided there's no need for me to close that gap between me and and uh, and Declan. And Declan knows something's going on because Declan's got his arms behind him to make sure that it's not handball outside the area or give away a free kick. And then the bloke's lining up for a shot. Now, looking at that angle, Nick, are you worried that from that far out, which is what? I don't know how many, Rich, how many yards out is that? You're a football man, you know numbers. <laughs> That's got to be about 35 yards. That's exactly what I was going to say. He's about 35 yards out. His right leg's off the floor. He's about to spank the ball. Nick, are you worried that Declan Rice or Raya will not be able to get to that from that position? 
I think it was a bit closer than 30, but I was more like 20, but fair enough. But You don't know yeah, numbers. We've been I, through this. Okay. Yeah, I don't <laughs> know numbers. More, if it's any more than 14, you get stuck. Anyway, get on with it. Um, yeah, I mean, we can say what we want. He's got, he should be saving that. And a few people have put in chat that Ramsdale saved that. And he does, basically because Ramsdale is a taller goalkeeper. And he chucks himself up into the air... He does go with the wrong hand as well, whichever, you know, but, and it's not like this ball is in the top corner and they smashed it in. It's basically a half ass lob that they've tried. And he's just jumped slightly too early. I think he thought the ball was going faster than it was. He's misread the ball, how fast it's going. And he's just completely missed it. And it's pretty much landed. I didn't have landed on the goal line then when it actually went in. So, like I said, it's not in the top corner. And I mean, we've all said about Raya all season, he's not really an upgrade on Ramsdale. All I've heard is, oh, if you look at these stats here, he throws the ball a little bit better than him. I'm like, okay, but he's not making any world-class saves, is he? You know, I don't think has has he actually made one world class save all season? I mean, I you know, I don't think so. But how about how about you, Rich? What do you think? I mean, he is. I don't know why he's he's almost dived down low because he doesn't realise how high the ball is, and it's like Nick said, it's gone completely over him into the back of the Declan. I mean, uh, yeah, Declan's turned his back. Why you turn your back on a, on a player when he's about to have a shot? You're outside the area. No fear of giving a penalty away. Just stand there and take a ball in the face. I mean, wonder goal. If we'd have scored that, we'd have gone, oh, my God, that's fucking amazing. What do you think about it, uh, Rich? Would you be shouting at your girls if they'd have let that in? Absolutely not. Um, especially because most of them are around about five foot six. Taller than right then. <laughs> yeah, just a bit. Um I would have liked for Declan Rice to get uh, a little bit closer, well, a lot closer, and close down that, um, and close down the uh, the the. I can't remember the geezer. It was it, Gelling. No, I can't remember the geezer who scored, uh, and closed him down. Especially as you had White Galena. and Saliba behind him, Galena, uh tracking the runners. He we could have afforded him to put more pressure and get closer to. Um, to the striker, to the winger who, who put it in. Um, as for the thing, I'm, I, I view I'm slightly different uh, on my on my analysis of uh, than a lot of people of 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 Raya, um, in the sense of I think what he gives us, he is actually very 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 good in the sense of his distribution, his claiming for crosses. Uh, and the the other thing that he he does really really well that I, I don't think a lot of people give him credit for a clock time is how high a line he plays uh, when we're out of possession, which allows our defenders to play higher up the pitch as well. Um, but clearly, long range shots, and this uh, this was this was said about him before he joined us and when he was at Brentford that long range shots are a bit of a, a, an Achilles heel for him because he's not the tallest goalkeeper. Um, I would put a little bit of blame on him for that, that goal. 
um, in the sense of, because it looked weird. It looked odd. His dive looked odd. It looked like he'd kind of went a little bit too early and looked like he was swatting at the, um, at the ball um, rather than, than anticipating where the ball is going and letting the ball meet him. He kind of, it almost looked like he flicked out his hand to try and intercept the ball and swat the ball away, which I, I don't think would, would have been the, the ideal technique, but I, you know, unfortunately no player in, you know, very few players in the world are perfect. Um, you know, David Rea is not a perfect player, but I, I, for what he gives us and stuff like that, unfortunately, you're going to, if someone, you know, happens to, to, to curl one in from 25, 30 yards, like that, that was not many people were expecting him to do. I think that's, it's kind of like the, not that you have to take it kind of thing, but it's, it's not like I, I would say it was like an absolute howler or, you know, an absolute fast. You know, you know, you look at uh, 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 Allison the uh, the other day again, uh, the other week against us. You know, this guy, arguably the best goalkeeper in the world, like has two shockers for for a goal that we can see. It, it happens to to, to goalkeepers. Um, there is a you know, you could probably say that maybe Ramsdale does get that. Ramsdale is a little bit taller. I think Ramsdale is naturally a bit more seems a bit more athletic has a bit more spring in his um in his uh in his in his step and stuff of like that that he, he might have got to it you know you look at the, the i think he the, catches it i think he jumps up and catches that like stops it with one hand and then catches it and brings two it inches taller yeah well he, it's not just that he mm. just i don't know what it is with him he just Feels more commanding. I don't know. What he's saying it's, it's kind of like the Zinchenko thing, where oh well, we know he does. He can't defend, and he's never at left back. So you know, we're always getting stuff from the left back. But he can play inverted and play out through the midfield. Well, that's all good. You know, with Raya saying he's like a sweeper keeper, but if he can't save and he's not actually saving us goals and games, you know, like you know, they said when we signed Petr Cech and some of these keepers, he's a goalkeeper. You know, if you want to win, he's going to save you 10 points a season. Do you think Raya is actually saving us any points? Because I honestly don't I honestly don't think he's made I, one save all season that I wouldn't have expected him to save, if you see what I mean. He's not actually pulled off any worldies. And maybe that's because he hasn't had many worldies to save. I know it's being mean considering we've got the you know, we've got the best defense in the league at the moment, you know, we've conceded 22 goals, but He's just, and that's, just, and that's the thing. That, yeah, but that's, I mean, that, he made like a, off the top of my head, he, I, I remember him making a really good save against Man United and stuff like that. He's a decent enough shot stopper. He's just not the biggest. But I think sometimes, same way with Zichenko, I think we, we need to get out of the, the mindset of thinking about what he can't do and kind of remember, you know, what he can do. You know, um, I don't know if you guys are wrestling fans, but Paul Heyman famously always used to say, "Accentuate, hide the negatives, accentuate the positives. The positives of David Raya is that, that he, the, uh, the, the, he commands his box very, very well. He anticipates crosses very, very well and claims he has a really high percentage of, of crosses claimed. Like I said, he, his distribution 
both out of his hand and with his feet, allowing um, having the confidence of allowing strikers to press him and play the ball round him helps us out and retain our possession. Like I said, the fact that he plays so high up on that pitch, which allow like you think last season, right when Ramsdale was in goal, the amount of times, the amount of times the ball got played over the top of Saliba and Gabriel. And we were in like, and Ramsdale was nowhere to be seen. And that's not me digging out Ramsdale because I'm like, I'm a massive fan of Ramsdale. But we that was that was a big Achilles heel for us last season was the ball being played over the top of our of our centre backs um, into the space beyond. But now we don't have uh, that bad of a, 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 an issue anymore because Raya plays so much higher because he plays higher. The defenders can play higher, have more connect, uh, connection to the midfield, and and gobble up any space in front of them. So, I think I think we need to, you know, prior to this game and and, and this game that he um uh, that that goal, you know, people were starting to kind of turn the other way on him and kind of say, yeah, actually, Ray is all right. He's not doing too badly. Uh, you know, you can see the virtues of what he's doing. He started to to click and gel with the team and gel with the fans. And, you know, like uh, I think Tim Stillman put it out there that, you know, the, the last couple of games where he was actually, you know, celebrating with the home fans and stuff like that with the behind the goals. And he felt more comfortable in his skin. But and I just think we need to, rather than hammer the players, we need to think about what they, what they do well and what we get out of them rather than the negatives. Yeah, people asking why we're we talking about the debate uh, about the goalkeeper things because it's um, relevant to the goal that we conceded. Would he have saved it? Anyway, moving on from that, I've got one more thing I want to talk about from last night. I've got one little picture I want to show you. My favourite picture of the night. Patch, Pat, Patrick Vieira was nowhere to be seen. So we had Fabio Vieira and Cedric Suarez sat on the bench, both with a face like a smacked ass. Um, I'm not sure at what point during the game this was. I think I trimmed out the time. But, um, Nick, looking at the... We made one substitution. That was in the... Uh, I have to look at the same bloody thing. Two different ones. That was in the 74th minute. Jorginho came on for Trossard. That's when we knew Arteta was settling for the draw. But substitutes that we had was Nketia, Nelson, um, someone called... And um, what's his name? Um, uh, Aiden, A-Y-D-E-N. I think someone needs to have a word with you about how your first name is spelled. That's ridiculous. Aiden Heaven, Fabio Vieira, Mohamed Elneny, Cedric Suarez, Ramsdale and Carl Hine. Plus um, the James Sweet, Smith Rowe was on the bench. I don't remember seeing that. And Manwari. Nick, is there any justification for only bringing on one, one player? Was, is it fair enough to say that that was okay because he expected the game to be a draw, making sure it's a draw that we got the point, take them to the home game and beat them? Or should he could should he or could he have used any of those subs after about an hour and maybe seventy minutes to try and do something to the game to score a goal, to get get a shot on target? Even I mean, he could have if he did really want to settle for a nil nil, he could have brought on more defenders as Suarez and someone else to do that if that's what he was going for. But looking at that bench, you know, to actually try and win the game, is there anyone he could have brought on that could have changed the way we were playing to actually win? Or 
even even change how we play. There's not really. I mean, obviously, I don't know how far he is away. Old um, Jesus, obviously, he's a different option to have as he could play with him. So obviously, that's a, that would help a little bit more options going forward. Mm-hmm. But other than that, like I said, I I don't know why Eddie is is still here. To be honest, I don't know how he's still here, and a few of those other players as well. You know, I mean, Eddie's just gonna bloat around the reserves until he leaves on a free in a couple of years, and he and but yeah, I mean, that's kind of an Arteta thing. It's we've got such a decent first team, and it's just like he doesn't trust anyone that's outside, yeah. like. 12 or 13 players. I mean, they'll be sitting on the bench. I'm surprised. I mean, they might say to him, oh, are you coming on, mate? He's like, I'm coming on? Well, I haven't brought my boots with me for six months. <laughs> I didn't <laughs> even think I was getting on. But we need more depth in the squad, don't we? We need options. I mean, I don't know. What, I mean, to be honest, I mean, Rich, you, you know you coach a lot of football and play. Not, is there anything he could have done, like bringing players on to make that side better going forward or defending? Um, you, you'd like to think so. I mean, like the, I mean, Fabio Vieira, it, it, that was always going to be tough. It, it, this is first time he's made a squad since coming back from injury for X amount of, uh, of, um, of months in it. He's been out for, for, for quite a while. Um, Fabio Vieira. Um, Jorginho. There's been quite a few where they said he's, he's having a late test. He's been damn doing a bit mm. of practice. So it's like, um, Jesus. Uh, Jesus, Jesus, all three of those. The last, um, the last night's game and the weekend's game, both of those. They said it was a late fitness test for both of them. Mm. Yeah. So I mean, like the only other one possibly was, you know, um, Eddie. Uh, was was it, yeah, Eddie. But I mean, uh, Eddie. Eddie doesn't really do much as a substitute. Like his record as a substitute is quite appalling. And his last game was against yeah. Liverpool. Mm. Um, yeah, I just oh mate, December. if someone if someone can buy him, that'd be great. Um, I guess it's uh, yeah. I, I feel bad, like saying that. That sounds horrible, but it's just it's not gonna. It, it, he's not what we need, unfortunately. And he's not quite. He's you know he's he's not quite tall enough. He's not quite un, uh, uh, thin enough. Uh, I just I don't think that he would have gotten much different change by bringing him on, especially because you know, like he's a he's a penalty box striker. Oh, hold on, you I know? said Eddie didn't play against. I don't look at soccer base for information. He he did. He, his last game was against Burnley. He got twenty one minutes. I thought I saw him <laughs> come on. Soccer base, you twats. Go on, carry on. <laughs> but yeah, like you know, he's he's a he's a penalty box striker. We weren't getting into the box at all. Like we'd we'd had, I think we had like I can't remember. It was I think it was like I might have been even under ten touches in the box. Like it was it was it was never going to work for him. You know I, I thought what they might do is a little bit earlier because it clearly wasn't working. Was um uh put Havertz up there up top and go a little bit more direct. Um you know I, when he brought on Jorginho, I didn't see that as a defensive move at all. Um, I saw that as, as someone who who can get receive the ball off the back form and play through the chains and and and, and progress the ball uh, with with good passes. But even he struggled when he came 
when he came onto the pitch. Um, the only other one, let's say, to, to bring on was um, was Smith Rowe. And, oh. uh, who? Nelson. Nelson. Yeah, Nelson, another one, you know, got a bit of pace about him, but, you know, he's he still... I don't think there's the end product um, yet with, with, with him. You know, um, it doesn't help him. And Smith fit, Rowe the same. Any of them match fit? No, that's the other thing. I was literally just about to say. Like him, him and, yeah, but even when they do, they then get injured and they're out for bloody six weeks. Like it's like Smith Rowe's only just coming back from another knock. Like it's it's we we, we we just seem to have like the most injury prone players in the world. Um, my thing about the subs, even if they weren't the subs that you would want and that you would be ideal, what was happening on the pitch wasn't working. And that's why I think you needed to make a change. Very early on. Mm. Well, unless he's Arteta, he, I was going to say, Arteta, he only really wants to replace a like for like. And he'll say... Oh, Nelson, you can come on if you play exactly how Saka plays. Exactly. And he's like, I'm not as good as Saka. I'm more of a dribbler. I like running at people and whipping in. You know, I'm not that type of player. We're not playing then. You know, and he bring he wants to bring other players on. It's like Smith Road. I know he's injured a lot, but there's no one else really like him in the squad, is he? Someone no. who can arrive late into the box and score and make like decent one-two passes. That seems like all the players he's got are not because they don't fit into the way he plays. And since he's come back, and I did praise him a bit because he's tweaked his plan A ever so slightly, mainly because Jesus is injured as well. But whatever this formation he's been playing in the league, it's almost like a 4-2-4 with like a Havertz, Trossard sort of both of them neither up front, but it, whatever it is, it's different and it seems to be working because it's helping out Martinelli and him. But it's like everyone knew at half time if he wanted to win that game, he'd have to completely change the way we're playing. They're ready for us, they're set up. And he wasn't gonna do it, was he? He could have he could have tried, but what did he do? I know what I'll do, I'll bring on Jorginho and I'll you know take the nil-nil draw. And that's not a women mentality type of decision, is it, Rich? No, if, if you view it in that thing. But, I mean, I, again, I, Jorginho, I would have started Jorginho. And I don't, yeah. I don't think Jorginho was a, was a negative and defensive um, uh, change. Because I said, we, we, we were getting stuck in getting, getting that ball quick enough into... Erdegaard into Trossard, you know, into Saka and Martinelli because of the way that um, Porto had set up and the pressing job that they were doing and cutting off the passing lanes. So it was actually a, it was actually a progressive change of of putting uh, Jorginho on there because Jorginho is not a defensive midfielder in the strictest sense of you know he 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 snuffs out danger and he's. He's thing. He's like almost like a metronome back there. He's like an and he was type player. He's yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. I, I mean, I don't know if he was had a slight knock, but he would be my first name on the team sheet for Champions League games, European games, because he just dictates the play. If he wants to slow it down, he can slow it down. If he wants to speed it up, he speeds it up. That's sort of what he does. And Royce, he's the kind of I do it myself type player. 
Whereas Jorginho, he helps everybody else the way he plays. So, I mean, like I said, maybe he had a knock, I don't know. But it just seems like if he was Arteta after like 60 minutes going for a draw, it's not like he played his hand, brought on two or three players, and we all thought it doesn't matter how long we're going to be in this stadium, we are not scoring today. So the last 10 minutes, screw it, shut up shop. And so he tried to shut up shop after 60 minutes. And invited yeah. him on. The, the, right. um, Jorginho normally starts the big games, Liverpool, Man City. Jorginho normally starts. Um, again, because he's, he's, he's a very experienced player. Yes, he has his limitations with his... Um, uh, with his pace and covering large distances and stuff like that, but he normally plays the big games because he's he's got that intelligence, that great passing range. You know, he helps out and facilitates loads of other players. But like, I think he was injured because he played against Liverpool, and then I think the next game he wasn't even in the squad. I don't believe um, the, the the following game because he was he was injured, and I think he only just come back for the Burnley one and made the squad. So I don't think he was fully fit, which is probably yeah. why he didn't start. Um, looking at my notes from last night's show, um, ninth minute, 85% possession. You're thinking, yeah, we can see Arteta's plan. It's working out. Very good. Um, uh, then 17th minute, Pepe made his Champions League debut when Saka was three. And that was uh, that was something. Now, this is the point when I started to think, hold on, this possession-based game, getting the draw, maybe sneaker win isn't going to work. 20th minute, their players spanked the ball against the post after Gabriel slid in for a tackle and there was ended up on the floor. The ball came loose and then it came back out to him and he spanked it again. And this time it went wide while Saliba just stood there looking at it. That was the 20th minute. And then um, 30... 37th minute, Nico, powerful shot, goes just over Raya. 39th minute, another Porto chance right at Raya. Now, at that point, you, I could see, and I, I know nothing about football. If I, I always say, I'd, if I knew anything about football, I'd, I'd be managing Inter Milan, and I'd be sitting outside a cafe now, stuffing myself full of pizza, so surrounded by lovely ladies. And even I know that to, for them to have two or three really good um, opportunities in in from the twentieth to the thirty ninth minute, three really good chances. They're not they're not coming for a draw. They they've seen they've got opportunities. They're having shots on target. We're doing nothing. But but the plan didn't change. So, oh dear. Um, yeah. Let's let's move on from that. Let's talk about something a little bit happier, shall we, gentlemen? Um, Nick, how does this make you feel on the screen? Not including the last two games, Bukayo Saka, lovely young man, plays for the Arsenal. In his first 210 appearances for the club, 51 goals, 49 assists. Some bloke called Christian Ronaldo, never heard of him. His first 210 appearances for, I think, Man United. 50 goals, which is one less than Saka. 43 assists, which is six less than Saka. Look at that, numbers again. That, that's got to get. And then the next game, Saka scores two goals. That's got to warm the cockles of our cold, dead hearts, doesn't it, Nick? Yeah, I just love it. It's just, look, I saw a lot of people in chat are saying, give some more of these kids a chance because they don't seem to be letting us down. I mean, it's obviously Smith's Rose injuries are letting him down. But, you know, there's got to be two or three in the, reser you know, in the reserves and the youth that can come in and do something different. You know, it's... Uh, 
I don't know. Did um, Emery gave Saka his debut, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Played him at left back. Yeah. So, and that was probably because three or four players were injured. And we've had this thing here where so many players were injured. And, you know, you probably should give him a chance. And I think it's with Saka. He's just, I don't understand. He's so far under the radar in this country that nobody seems, you know, they, they, they go like, for, you know, for the, you know, the sky and all, they don't really be, seem to be talking about him as much as some of these other players that have gone on to do nothing. You know, they were talking about like Calvin Phillips and all these sort of players and how are they the next big thing? And then they just end up on loan at West Ham getting sent off because they're shit and got stupid air. And this boy, he's just, <laughs> and he, I'll tell you what, he keeps doing what he's doing. He's just consistent, isn't he? Even on his worst game, he's giving you a six out of 10. You know, and he's still, you know, he does everything right. And, ah, oh, I just, I just want to sign him up to a longer term deal, to be honest, because the big teams are going to poach him. They're, they're going to be looking, aren't they? They're not having him. Um, yeah, Rich, it's, it's wonderful, isn't it? That we have got that. If he was playing for any other club in the Premier League, they would all be going. No one touch him. Don't, don't even look at him. You look at him, you're going to get yourself booked. <laughs> oh, we get every game. He's just getting kicked up. I, swear, I mean. Yeah. He's on every weekend. He's icing his legs, all the bruises and stuff he gets. Because you just look at some of these players over the years, because they played for England, the amount of protection they get was unreal. He gets nothing. He just gets kicked constantly. I'm just looking at his um his debut um Nick um, um uh, Rich because uh, where is it? I was looking at it. It was in the 2018-19 season. It was the 29th of November 2018 in the Europa League against Vorskala Poltava. That's a made-up name. Come on. Uh, we won the game 3-0. He came out. He played 22 minutes. And I'm looking all season before that for the under-23s, as it was then, now under-21s. Um, he was playing just getting a few minutes here and there, played left back, left midfield, left midfield, left midfield. But even for, even for that, he was getting assists and, and, and goals. Um, it's just it's just a wonderful thing to see. He, he doesn't get, we don't get, he doesn't get enough credit, does he? I mean, look at his, his record for England. He's already more goals than probably 90% of the people that have ever played for England, including a lot of people that are on, in the media now and the people go, oh, he played for England, what a wonderful player. Shut up! You're not fit to hold Saka's boots. He's he's a, a wonderful, wonderful player, and almost just as important, he seems like a wonderful, wonderful human being as well. Yeah. Um, I absolutely love Bakayo Saka. He says he's he's so he's so good. You know, he I say he's. I think. I think he's very much rated by everybody. It, you'll, but he because Arsenal fans uh, have a tendency to be a little bit more prolific on social media and stuff like that. We're kind of weird game for clickbait articles and engagements and stuff like that. So that's why you'll see dickhead accounts putting up, you know pictures of Saka versus Cole Palmer or whatever new flavor of the month they, they've gotten because they know that you're obviously like, you know, we're going to defend our own and stuff like that. 
we have a massive online presence and we're going to defend Saka's reputation the same way that Rio Ferdinand's coming out with nonsense clickbait um, statements like about that he's Saka's not world class. That's utter nonsense. He is world class. Well, he would every single team, every single team on this planet would have him in their starting lineup in a heartbeat. Yeah. Um, everybody, like I said, is, is say possibly what with maybe um, uh, Real Madrid. Maybe I think their 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 front three are fairly decent. I'm not massively au fait, but pretty much every single team would have him in their in their their first eleven. He's that good. Um, and and as the, as Nick said, even his bad days, he's still pulling out, you know, goals and assists and putting in six, seven out of 10 performances, even even when he's not not 100%. You he's know, still doing barely the ever... Even if he doesn't yeah. score an assist, he's still covering his man. He's still tracking his runners. Mm. He never goes missing. He's always there. You know he's playing. It's not like a lot of persons. I just wonder, it's because not just social media, but the actual media as well, which the very similar social media, they've treated Arsenal as the banter club for so long, the joke club. It's almost as if they don't want it to stop and they're trying everything they can to keep the facade going that we're crap. Um, we're not, you know, in two total races, two seasons in a row and doing so much better than when we were finishing eighth because... I mean, like I said, that stat that he's, you know, got more goals and assists than Ronaldo in the same games, or at least, if you want to say, similar statistics, it makes you wonder, oh, why wasn't Gary Neville saying that? Why didn't Gary Neville put that up? Oh, right, because we know if Arsenal aren't the banter club anymore, it's Man United in it. Do you know what I mean? That's they're the club that are sort of in decline. They've got ownership issues, like when we had the whole Ushmanov and Kroenke going at it, Gazidez and Vengo arguing with each other, all this stuff going on behind the scenes, who's buying what, not buying the players we want to buy, you know, stuff like that. So I just think they're trying to put the narrative that Arsenal and our players aren't good enough than what they are. And even when we do really well, they don't give us any credit. Like I said, we you know we beat Liverpool when they were given all that all week that they're going to put us out of our misery, yeah. and all they can talk about for an hour of like you know entertainment on Sky is Odegaard used a camera on someone and we're we're clapping too hard and we're over celebrating. I just think it's because they've got nothing um, yeah, to say that... because that's because they don't want to say we're doing really yeah. well and we've got good players. They'd rather just completely deflect. What it is because that doesn't have the narrative. It does that's not what they want it to be, and that's what they're going to keep doing. I get to the impression that even if we won the Premiership, they wouldn't want to acknowledge it. They'd say, "Well, everyone else is crap apart from." It's very similar to when Leicester won the league when Arsenal won. That's the sort of stuff that they'd come out with, isn't it? No one else wanted to win it, so Arsenal won it. Yeah. Um, yeah. We just uh, just it's because we're Arsenal because I always say it goes historically Arsenal were the club that stopped Liverpool being at all their glory days and Arsenal were the club that stopped Man United from winning more trophies than they already did under Big Nose and 
Uh, Spurs are uh, the Spurs um, uh, mafia in the media. They hate us because we're their rivals and we make them look silly. Three biggest teams of, of people who on the TV. Who's that squeaky little prick? Black bloke played for the Republic of Ireland, constantly doing Radio Five. It's all there. there. Annoying little fuck. He was on Soccer Saturday with Paul Merson, and he went, "Ah, oh, well, I'm a Tottenham fan." And Paul went, "Hold on, you're a Tottenham fan? I didn't know that." I had no idea the little prick was a Spurs fan. I knew I couldn't fucking stand him. I can't stand his voice. He talks like a three-year-old that's had a severe whack to the head. But because it's the BBC, they keep letting him go on. You can say something there, Rich. Is that Clinton Morrison? That's the fucking little scrote. Can't stand him. Thick as shit. Don't so hold back, Danny. Silly. Say what you feel. Yeah. So say what you feel. Oh. Say, yeah. say what you really mean. Yeah, he's, he co-commentates and he has nothing of any, of interest to say. There are so I think about all the ex-footballers that used to do really good commentary. People like Alvin Martin, Stan Collymore, um, all of that lot. They, they don't get a look in anymore because you've got all these whiny little pricks on there and all these other arseholes that should have nowhere near commentating on football or doing pundit. Stan Collymore is one of the greatest ones ever to do British radio. Run the bath, mother! wonderful and that bloke doesn't get a regular radio show him and danny kelly should just do every every show because and all kelly kates and ian Wright, and even ian wright stopped doing them fuck's sake makes me so fucking angry i'm not even going to go through your why there's now. so many i mean over the last what 10 15 20 years there's been players and stuff that have played for clubs uh, not not saying we only want ex-arsenal players in the media and that's what we want but I find Keown very boring. Yeah, I think he's a boring old twat. Yeah. He's one of us, so we have to sort of allow it. He's been, yep. you know, he doesn't have a the rules. There's so many players over, because I've watched um, sometimes on Sky, they have like, you know, they show like the older games, like, oh, these are the great, like Arsenal versus these goals, and then Man United versus, you know, they show. Yeah. I'm like, and there's been players for other clubs. I thought, I like him. He seems, you know, he's a good player and he's funny, he's entertaining. And there's so many good people out there that can talk, you know, and express themselves. And all they're doing is just putting wind-up twats on that just want to upset everyone. And people just get bored of it. Why can't we, you know, be happy and excited about football? You know, Arsenal beat Liverpool 3-1 and everyone's having a meltdown over over celebrating. Um, we win other games and there's loads of 5-0 games, 4-1 games this weekend and stuff like that. And all they seem to be talking about on the radio and Sky is, was this a red card or not? One <laughs> referee's decision. And it's just all they're interested in is the negativity and the controversy. Why can't we just enjoy the good stuff as well? They don't want, they're not interested in it, are they? No, that's why, that's why Ali, Ali McCoist is one of my, one of my favorites, but just because he genuinely sounds like he's enjoying himself at the game. And he's enjoying what he's watching, um, you know. It's like, yeah, post that post, post um, the post punditry after the Liverpool um, Arsenal game was absolutely diabolical. It was basically I turn it, watching. I turn it straight uh, off. I, I unfortunately normally I not. I have to say normally I do. I, for the last couple of years, it's literally you 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 tune in. You know, one minute before the game starts, yep. it, it, at halftime goes, you go off, you do what you need to do, you come back when the second half starts, 
as soon as the game finishes, bang, off goes the telly. I unfortunately sat through that punditry and it was it, it was terrible. They're not giving you any insight into the game. They're not giving you any analysis of, of what we've just watched. It's just sensationalism, content, clicking nonsense. It's just it's just talk sport in TV format. It was literally just mate, it's Liverpool fan TV. So it's, yeah, I'll say it's Arsenal fan TV stuff they were doing a few years ago, and they had them on there, and they're doing it. I mean, I thought, like you said, the punditry after the Liverpool game, there wasn't any. They didn't say anything for an hour. They didn't have any entertainment. They weren't happy. They bet they barely shoot replays. All they did was try to get Klopp to attack people, as many people as they can, and he didn't mm. really bite. They spoke to Arteta for all of 30 seconds, didn't really want to say nothing to him because he won, because they had nothing to say. And I thought what was, what was quite funny, even though I don't follow him, they still keep turning up, was um, Carragher and Thing put a tweet out and said, oh, what shall we talk about before the game on Monday Night Football? And that was like the Arsenal-Liverpool analysis of the game, uh, Rooney something this like four other things and that was like 85% and you just read the comments you had an hour to talk about that fucking that, that yesterday you prick mm. just comment after comment I was like well that's right why did they not analyse the game in an hour they just had a grump, bunch of grumpy moaning people just sitting there for an hour Unlike talking us. about how that nothing, <laughs> nothing's happened how they wanted to like us exactly <laughs> It's contagious. Da- I feel like Danny, I told Danny Mills. Monday after a 5 0 win when we were happy, and, and you said let's wait <laughs> for the Porto game, and now we're all miserable twats again. True. What are you going to say about Danny Mills? Oh, I quite I like would him. say D- Danny Mills did more analysis in like four and a half minutes on match of the day than they did in over an hour post game. Uh, it, on Sky, it was I just it was the worst. No, no. If oh, that's not just on the Sky, if anybody likes Danny Mills, yeah. uh, and yeah. so often gets him on, lovely bloke. I'm just saying that's not just me. Like I've got Liverpool supporters at my work, Man United, even the top. They're all saying the same thing. They get to the end of the game or half time, they just want to turn it off. They're just not interested in it. I said it's not just an anti Arsenal thing; it's an anti football thing. Yeah, because mm. the men who who did it all uh, all been told to fuck off so you can get some dickhead who used to play for United or Liverpool or Spurs to come on, have no idea what they're talking about, or get some a little bit of fluff on there to titillate everybody. But there are some brilliant female commentators, and there are some shit ones. So uh, LF is there, says evening ladies. Avon says Rio's definition of why Saka wasn't world-class was that he's not won the Premier League or the Champions League, nor has Kane or Bellingham, BTW. Uh, Stefan, those former Man United lads go after Arsenal because they are too scared to go after Liverpool or City, permanent victims. Rudy says former United lads want to put us down because... They know we are better than their beloved United. Yeah. Boy 10, every single spot I've come across is a genuine nonce. Maybe I should clip that. <laughs> they, uh, maybe then, maybe not. Uh, Stefan says, the way those United... Oh, 
fucking things highlighted. And the way the United like, bend over for City is hilarious. Avon says, if Arsenal are top club year after year, then those guys in the media who specialise in Chelsea, United Spurs, who are now less relevant, are out of a job. The agenda is very real. Ah, oh, Nose has added a question. Thank you very much, Nose. I'll give you a little click on that. Sire says, if Gabby... Oh, my God, don't even mention... You know, I refuse to comply to the man. I listen to talk sport and occasionally I like the ex Crystal Palace owner who's on there in the morning. I love Hawksbury and Jacobs, brilliant. I even quite like Darren Bent because he's, he's he used to play for God Manchester. And I won't comply with the oh to stop hearing why haven't you like logged in? Just tell your Alexa device to log in. So I don't do it on talk sport. Then that prick at Gabby Albonglahor, he was doing a hey, I want to tell you it is, in an Italian kind of accent. I thought, fuck, I'm logging in. I cannot stand in. Does anyone know what I'm on about? Put it in the chat if you do. It makes me seem a little bit mental. If you don't log in via your Amazon device, then you have to hear a thing every time you tell it to play it. Why haven't you logged in yet? And I was fine until it was, oh, a, a, a fucking dickhead of bull. Um, uh, so Sai says, Gabby is still working. Then everyone else deserves a chance. Uh, Nosa says, I like Lee Dixon, but he works for more American companies now than the UK. Uh, Stefan says, Gary Neville's got to be the worst. I quite like Gary Neville. He started off all right, and I think he was putting mm. effort to not be a twat. I know he's sort of got his feet under the table and could probably, you know, similar get to Carragher and could do no wrong. He's just gone full whatever he is. Prick. Nosa says, Pat Nevin is great to listen to. He starts talking and he goes, hello, bloody blah, blah, bloody blah. And towards the end of the sentence, he goes, sounds like a, uh, a drunken Glaswegian. And he goes, I don't know what you said at the end of that sentence. Next sentence. Oh, hello. Bloody blah, bloody blah, blah. He speeds up. He goes more Scottish. And although I like him, I can't understand a fucking thing that he's saying at the other half of the, the, the sandwich. I don't know why I said sandwich. And that means sandwich. Avon says, watched Arsenal be Chelsea post-match on ESPN last season. It was billed as an Arsenal post-match, but 24 minutes, 23 minutes of why Chelsea so bad. Marcotti only knows Chelsea. Don't like Marcotti. He's a dipshit. Knows there's Denny Mills still better than Thierry's nut. He's bitter about Thierry's nutmeg. But Danny Mills also said he had accrued on his hands and knees from Leeds to sign for Arsenal if they had wanted him um, on broken glass. Boy, 10 Kane is the only player that that can be world-class. Literally zero trophies, apart from that one you get for top goal scorer in the Bundesliga, which is in the shape of a cannon. Oh, the irony. Um, <laughs> Stefan says, TalkSport is DMG, Daily Mail. I know. Hate him. Boyten Neville is, is all right. He's tolerable and sometimes might make a good point. Oh, burp. A good point and say something insightful, but the standard isn't very high. Right. Before we go to questions, uh, Rich, a little bit about this. League table, that that is going to make you quite happy, isn't it? Man City, their recent results have been meh, sneaking a goal at the end. 1-0, still playing shit football. But top of the league, Liverpool, 26 games, 60 points. Man City are on 56 game in hand. We're on 55 game in hand. Like Nick said, Arsenal have conceded the least number of goals with 22. Arsenal have got the second best goal difference only because uh, Liverpool stat padded against Luton last night. That's got to give us some hope for the future, hasn't it? Five little green W's in a row there, Nick. Rich, Rich, 
It's not Nick. Mate, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not bad, mate. That's not bad, considering how shit we are and we need to get a striker to score 70 million goals a season and uh, we're terrible and Mikel should be sacked and all this sort of stuff. Mate, we're doing, we're doing well. We're, we're, we're doing, we're doing all right. I said, unfortunately, Man City have that, I get that oh familiar feeling of Man City, you know, um, you ever, you ever seen that scene in Saving Private Ryan where the, the, the Nazi bastard is, Stab is slowly stabbing that geezer. It's that inevitable, inevitable um, stab through the, the heart well. kind of thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well. Really slowly. I think is it Mellish? The, the, no, the geezer. I can't remember the geezer's name. But um, yeah, and um, and it's just got that inevitability of, of that. You know, with De Bruyne coming back and then Harlan coming back, and you know, I'm sure they're throwing out a, a couple more. FA charges that they're, they're sweeping under the carpet and stuff like that. Um, but we're, we're doing all right. Considering we haven't, quote unquote, we hadn't, well, before Christmas clicked properly, mate, we're in a really, really good place. And I said, league form-wise, you know, we're smashing it in a minute. What's that, 21 goals in three games? Uh, as, as Nick said earlier, like I said, the, the, one of the best defences in, in, in the league. Are we, are we, are we the best defence in the league? Yes, 22. Yeah, so, so mate, there's say it's not all doom and gloom. Like I said, I know last night's game was a bit was a bit meh and a bit annoying, but it's been um it's been it's so far so good in the league. So let's say long may it continue. Got a few tricky games coming up and a few little tricky spots, but I I I have faith that we we might be able to do something this year. I forgot to ask you, gentlemen, are we going to win the second leg, Nick? Yeah, we said we both said we'd turn it round. Good. I think two, yeah. two, three, four now. Yeah, I agree with that. Right, let's move on to some questions, shall we? Um, go to comments and then start. First question for you, Nick, dear boy, from Jimmy H thirty two. Question for later. In the office, me and a colleague argued with him saying we should have brought Eddie on. My response: I sell you a comma for fifty quid. My response was, well, no, because he's shit overall and makes no difference. Who wins the argument, Nick? <laughs> or is it a draw? I mean, should we ever talk about Eddie and Ketia? With what has what have we said about him over the last few years? Like, Mostly shit. Uh, yeah, it's, I don't know how he's still here. I really <laughs> don't know how he's still, of all the strikers. Hundred grand a week. Nick. Well, yeah, you I know, know but I don't know how he was given that hundred grand a week. I don't because some idiot is got no idea. Yeah. Him and and yeah, uh, Nelson weren't they both given a hundred grand a week? Yeah, I think Nelson signed close, but I mean, we were talking earlier about. Raya, we need to look at his positives and ignore his negatives. What? What are Eddie's positives? He scores a few tappings now and then. You know, he's he's like he's got his shooting accuracy is like four percent or something. And oh, if if he's got an open goal and he's three yards out, he'll probably score. You know, his first two goals were tappings from two yards out against Norwich. And for some reason, he's still here like five, six years later. And like I, say, he's, I think he's nearly 25 as well. I think people think he's like 18, 19. He's mid-20s. He should uh, be in the prime of his career. But so you're, you're the prime of his career right. is going to be playing for Norwich, to be honest. It's only a, I think he's a championship player. 
There you go. So you agreeing with Jimmy. Right. Next yep. question is for you, Rich. Um, is everybody still Arteta out? Firstly, were you Arteta out <laughs> and are you Arteta out? No. For me, it was a no from both. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, I've not been, I've never been, I, I would say I was, I was unhappy with him at certain points, um, you know, sometimes I think we can be a bit stubborn and, and you know, like the, the, I think the closest I got to it was, was him continuing to play William, was the, was the closest I, I came um, to, 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 yeah, but it just it didn't didn't work for us no. at all, and it was just, and I get trying to play someone into form, but it was sometimes a busted flush is a busted flush, and you just got to fucking give up on it, and you know. Um, okay, sorry. Um, so no, no I'm it's I'm not. I've, I've always boy. been. Don't you worry about that. I'm 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 a naturally optimistic fan anyway. Um, uh, almost, almost like to to a fault kind of thing. So I was, I've never been. Um, I've always been able or been lucky enough to see uh, or have it pointed out to me the green shoots of that he has been building. I, I think I'm fairly certain you can go through all of my podcast appearances on that I've been on here with you, Danny, and I've, I've, I'm fairly certain I've always been consistent in saying. Uh, you know, yeah, it might be difficult. Yeah, I know we came eighth, but I can see the green shoots. I can see what he's doing. I can see the little incremental improvements that he's making, the things that he's changing. And you know, I, I can, you can still see it. Like I say, we're still on that upward trajectory. So, um, no, 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 I've, I've have never been, and I'm not, uh, and, and I'm pro, pro Arteta. Right, good, so am I. Uh, Nick, from your next-door neighbour, the, the flat above, who will make the bigger impact later this season, asks Phil. Party or Timber, his opinion is, for me, Party won't stay fit enough, E-N-U-F, to make an impact. <clears throat> what you got to say about that, boy? Well, if, well, if we're assuming they're both going to be fit in the next month and can play towards in season... I would hope it's party to help out in the midfield because I think the only way Timber actually plays is because three or four other defenders are injured and we've got a defensive injury crisis, which means we're fell out of the title race. So I hope it's party because, I mean, if it, let's just say he's fully fit right now. Are you going to drop off to play him? Like, start? He's going to take what, Rich? I mean, you know a lot about that. Even if he gets back, how, how long is he going to take up to get match fit? A month. So if he's good, if he's a month out, he's only going to be match fit for the last what three or four games of the season, maybe. Mm. And the, and even if he does play a couple of games sooner than that, still getting ready. Like match fit is one thing, but like form hitting hitting a high level of form. Uh, is not going to be until I I would say next season. Um, like Plus he's going to pull a hamstring or something coming back after a long term injury. <laughs> he's going to have a couple of niggles, isn't he? I mean, he's mm. going to. He's an Arsenal player. He's inherited that from the first game. That's why he's injured. Mm. It was such a disappointment. He looked so good in pre season, and you know, and again in the in the Chariot Shield against against City, he looked so good. He looked so promising. 
I was absolutely gutted um, that he, he didn't even last to half time um, in the first game of the bloody season. And Partey is, you know, on. I think Partey is one of the best midfielders in the in the league, um, easily. But the guy's just never fucking fit. Like he makes such a big difference to our our team and 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 our transitioning and, and ability to 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 move through the lines and you know receive the ball in the half turn and 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 go through those into those middle thirds and connect those dots and, and get that ball quickly. Into um into into Odegaard and and Saka because that's one of the things that Declan needs to do is 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 he's not quite quick enough on the ball he slows it down a little bit too much where Party didn't Party had that great knack of letting the ball run across his body and 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 you know moving that ball out so two massive massive misses but. If he yeah, was fit, who would have? If he was fit and on the bench yesterday, he'd have been the first player on, wouldn't he? Because mm. he he makes a difference to the side. You know, he makes a difference to the midfield, the way we play, and things like that. So, yeah, hopefully, as party and Timber, I can't I, I can't see him having any impact and still next next season. I'll answer the next couple of questions. Mr. Waffles, is the sky really falling in or is this just a bump on the way to glory? A little bit of both. Formerly Noza, between Clinton Morrison and Chris Sutton, who would be the worst pundit of the year? Well, Chris Sutton is a very, I like him. The only reason he looks bad is because he's doing it with that fucking moron, Robbie Savage, who spends the whole time, play the whole time going, gotcha, you said this, gotcha, but you did this. What was your career? You played for Chelsea, gotcha, got you on this, done you on that, got you on this. Fuck off, Robbie Savage. You're a fucking idiot. Uh, Boy10 says, why can Klopp play the kids, but Arteta can't? Because he doesn't trust them. Uh, Des Moran... They've got more players out injured than we have. We have to. Their goalkeeper, yeah. Uh, And and that bloke Portuguese, uh, um, Jota, who now looks like an actual scouser, pale white, really fucking irritating and shit hair. Can anyone not see the club is heading in the right direction, irrespective of setbacks along the way? I think we can all see that. Things looking good. And Stefan says, was this always going to be the year that we start to learn to play Champions League football? Um, Nick, is this the year that we're going to learn? So next year we're ready. Try and get... We've only got another minute to go. What, five or six seasons, if not longer? It'd been a miracle if we win it in our first season. I'd take it. I'd take playing shit and somehow fluking it. But Nice of you. It's it's still the yeah you're welcome but it's one of those things. It's the same game yeah it's football but it's so different playing in Europe compared to playing in the Premiership and things like that. Same as you know, it's I mean we've always said why are we playing so like even when we had peak Wenger ball when we went into Europe we underachieved so much in that because for some reason when we went into Champions League we tried to play a European style really slow try to build up whereas I thought that's not how we play in the Premiership we play a hundred mile an hour attacking slash counter-attacking football yet we try to play completely different it's a similar sort of thing with this we just got to learn to play basically like Rich said you know play to everybody's strengths and hide their weaknesses that's not not that's not that difficult. Have I mean, you got a I'll quick try. answer, Rich? Um, not really. But I, I agree with Nick. Really, that's so. Is this is we haven't been in. I think it's like seven years 
seven seasons we haven't been in in the Champions League, so it's, it's always going to be a learning curve. It's all you know. We, we I think of of the team that started that game yesterday, only one player Havertz had ever played a knockout game in the Champions League. Mm-hmm. You know, it's always always it's always going to be a, a learning curve, and I I do think that that was it was. It was a bit of an anomaly with how how especially we've been playing in the, in the Champions League. I think that was a bit of an anomaly yesterday. I think I think us being shit, refereeing shit, and Porto playing very very well along with their shit housery, and the kind of we was a little bit like and the yeah the, I said well the pitch I, I genuinely I know I probably keep banging on about that and it's, it's a thing I was I couldn't quite understand it. I couldn't quite understand. How we were miscontrolling so many. You said so earlier to right to circle back and kind of complete the start, but you said someone was greasing up the pitch. Is, they or, or they, they'd, they'd wet it and made it deliberately. I mean, they don't mean covered in grease, but I mean wet it so that they we can't play um, uh, fast attacking uh, yeah. passing football. They do the thing which where the top side where we're attacking, they only put the sprinklers on that end. For, like both do the thing, and then at half time they only put the sprinklers back on that end. So where we were really? attacking was completely flooded, and where they were uh, then defended had dried out by then. But that they're not the first team to do that. Chelsea were good under that. Used to do that under Mourinho, rip the pitch, let the up grass and, grow a little ha- bit. Yeah, mm. how, yeah. Let the grass don't cut the grass. Liverpool done it when we played, and they didn't cut the grass and stuff like you know. Don't cut it for a fortnight. How do you police it? You can't really police it, yeah. can you? Anyway, there we go, gentlemen. We've gone two minutes over the allotted time. There will be a bill in the mail for both of you for not getting on with it. Right. Uh, thank you to uh, very much to everybody in the chat who watched us. Feel free to give us a thumbs up. We've had one thumbs down already. Sad times, bro. And if you <laughs> new, subscribe and share it with your friends. And uh, yeah, it's been a good show. So thank you very much, Richard. You have been um, you've been um, pearlescent. That's very, very, very kind. Thank you very much, Dave. Thank you for having me. And uh, Nick, we have seen you evolve as a human being during the show. Fantastic. I'll take that as a compliment. Do not say more. Good. Good. That's all you've got. Um, We will be back Friday, uh, Friday early Saturday a.m. morning. Me and Stan, or if you're in North America, it will be a late Friday night to do the preview show. And then Saturday, 8 o'clock, Newcastle. So me and Deke will do the post-game show at about 10 o'clock, give or take a little bit, depending on how much cheating those fuckers do. Right, so thank you very much, everybody, and we will see you later. Here comes the shitty outro from last season, so I'm too lazy to make a new one. Up your bums. As soon as I scored that goal, I was fucking livid. Get down, dog. Splendid business. He nearly caught the bloody thing. What are you talking about? So I've just eaten a full quiche. Well, you don't often see them at it. So when you see them in the supermarket, they need to be swagged, microwaved immediately and get the brown sauce on them and bosh, Bob's your uncle. Never in doubt. <laughs>